Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper and it is so good to have you with us this week. Uh, today we are going to look at the passage uh, I talked about on Sunday which is Isaiah 40 verses 1 to 11 and it's the second in our series called uh, Advent Values and we were thinking about comfort. Uh, but today I really want to just focus in on this passage and just draw a little bit more out for you. Uh, and so I'd really love you to, to read the passage now. So it's Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 to 11. So press pause, read the passage and then restart the video. So just to reiterate the, uh, the context I gave you, if you read uh, chapter 39, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, it's filled with uh, pretty bad news for the people of Israel. Because of their sin, uh, the Lord has decided that they will be captured by the Babylonians and taken into exile to serve the Babylonian Empire. And uh, it, this, this all happens probably maybe even around, uh, you know, quite a few decades really before this passage, Isaiah 40. Uh, some, uh, some scholars say that Isaiah 40 onwards is written by someone else, perhaps called Isaiah as well, uh, maybe as long as 150 years later. So uh, this is a, a, a little bit of a contention within uh, scholarship circles, but nothing for us to be concerned about, because basically it's still the Lord speaking to his people. And so here they are, they are crying out to God for, for safety and for security as they start to return back to Israel. And so the opening line is, comfort, comfort my people. And that idea of comfort is, is really all about safety and security. Here is a, a nation that has not had that at all. They have uh, been under oppression. They have lived uh, in a dangerous situation for a long time. And now as they start to move back towards Israel, they are crying out for the Lord to protect them. And so the Lord says, speak to my people and tell them comfort, comfort. And it, it, the words are repeated to, to emphasize something. Uh, and certainly in um, Hebrew uh, scriptures, uh, anything that's repeated, it is an emphasis. And so the Lord says, yeah, truly, I will comfort you. And what's really interesting is he calls them my people. Even though this was a nation who had turned uh, against his ways, who had uh, ignored his pleas to come back to him, uh, a people who had been uh, effectively judged and punished by him, he still calls them my people. And I want to come back onto that later. Uh, and then in, in uh, set verse 2, what we see is the Lord uh, speaking tenderly to his people. Uh, so he says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, proclaim to her that her hard service is completed. He recognises the, the difficult time that they have had in Babylon. And he, he speaks, wants to speak tenderly, speaks to their heart. And it's, it's recognises the emotional strain and stress as well as physical that his people have been under. And so he wants to speak tenderly to them. And so the exile is coming to an end. A hard service has been completed. And then there's um, this difficult line where he says, For Israel has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And it's almost, this sounds like, doesn't it, that God is saying that, uh, that, that the punishment was greater than the crime. 
And uh, that's certainly one way of reading that passage. Uh, but the, the Hebrew for double means to be folded over, to, to create a fit. And so it could equally be that God's not saying that he's uh, punished them more. He's saying he has given them a proper punishment. They have been judged correctly uh, rather than they have been doubly judged. The kind of folded over thing is to be folded over neatly and perfectly. And so it's a kind of a perfect fit. And so you, you could take either of those uh, interpretations of that line, depending on how you want to read it. Uh, and then in verse 3, we, we see this uh, image of uh, the highways being prepared for the Lord's coming. He is coming to, to, to meet his people. He's coming to bring safety and security to his people. And so the way is declared to be prepared for the Lord. He's saying, get rid of all the obstacles, flatten the mountains, raise the valleys. And a highway literally was in, in those days, as it perhaps is now really, an elevated road. It would have been a, maybe a metre above the normal ground and would have been provided a really secure uh, route for people to travel on. And so he says, prepare the highway for our God. He's coming to the aid of his people. He's coming to save, to rescue, and to provide safety and security for them. And there's that image there of removing the obstacles, which again, I talked about on Sunday, and I'll come back to, I think, in a minute. Uh, and then in verse 5, uh, we see this. Uh, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. And there's this image here of the glory, the presence of God coming back to Israel to dwell amongst them, almost as if it's the, the kind of the exodus as the cloud and the fire led the people out of Israel. It's the presence, the glory of God is going to come and descend upon Israel again. And uh, that is a, a powerful message of God's presence with them. And that word, just that simple word, see, contains within it that everyone will see it kind of visually, but also experience it. They will have a sense of this themselves as well. And then it goes on to verse 6. And uh, this whole passage is kind of broken up into different voices. And um, it's really hard to understand what Isaiah is, is picturing here. Some say it's almost like he is in the court of heaven. And different heavenly beings are crying out certain things and uh, telling Isaiah what to say, and the Lord is responding within it. And here another voice says, uh, a voice says, cry out. In other words, proclaim something. And Isaiah says, what should I proclaim? And he says, all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. And as I said on Sunday, this passage speaks to us of the, the fragility of life. It speaks to us about how delicate human life really is. You know, grass and flowers are really delicate. Uh, they can kind of just uh, be crushed very easily. They can wither quite quickly if you don't feed them. And so people, human people and here in Israel are looked at in that way by God. They are so easily destroyed. And they are so easily vulnerable. And twice again, he says, the grass withers and the flowers fail. 
And uh, there's this image there of, of both the grass and the flowers, but in that, that the breath of God can just easily blow over that and destroy. And it's a very strong image, isn't it, of the judgment of God, and they've experienced that. They have experienced his judgment, and they understand now where they are in relationship to God. They cannot simply ignore him. They cannot simply live life without him because they are so fragile. And then in verse 8, we have a contrast. Uh, Isaiah is told to say, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. And the contrast there is between the fragility uh, and the delicacy of human life that stands against the, the steadfastness of the word of God. And the word of God is referring to uh, the, all, all the Hebrew scriptures, probably up into um, the Deuteronomy and probably includes some of the Psalms. Uh, but could also refer to the prophetic word of God, his promises to the people of Israel, the promises of a land to live in, the promise of a Messiah who would bring salvation. And so there's a double meaning there, perhaps. Uh, and then we go on to, to verse 9. And in verse 9, we see something of a change where it starts to talk about the proclamation of the good news of the Lord's coming. The Lord coming to rescue the people of Israel. Lift up your voice with a shout, he says. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. They're to proclaim the coming of the Lord back to Israel. His presence amongst them. And of course, we can look at that as well and say that 15, 1700 years in the future, it would also apply to Jesus. As many of the verses in this passage do, we see in verses 3, 4 and 5, you know, they were verses that John the Baptist took on board. He was a messenger proclaiming, make way for the coming of the Lord. You know, make your path straight, make a straight highway because the Lord, the Messiah has come. And of course, he was referring to Jesus. And so we have here a proclamation that is to be made to be made to the people of Israel, that they are to not only receive for themselves that the Lord is coming, but to proclaim it to others. And then verse 10, 11, we see another contrast. And uh, the first image we see here of God, and it's a contrast of images of God. The first one is of God's power, verse 10. See the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. And uh, Isaiah used that image of the arm of God always as a sign of strength. And he uses that image more than any other prophet. Uh, so he's here talking about God as king, God ruling, God as powerful. And then in verse 11, he changes it and talks about the kind of the, more the caring and nurturing side of God. He talks of God as a shepherd who will uh, gather the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart and gently leads those who have young. What an incredible contrast that is. But both of those images are our God, aren't they? He is both powerful and he is loving and caring at the same time. He can judge and he can forgive. 
He is gracious and compassionate, but at the end of all time, we will all face his judgment. Those are, that's the complete image of God that we need to hold on to. And so within these, these verses, there are lots of ideas and lots of themes that are picked up throughout Scripture that are also referring to Jesus and his first coming particularly, but also to his second coming. And so we're going to just think about how uh, these verses can be applied in our lives. And we're going to take this a little bit wider. So how can we look at this passage and think about how it applies to us? Well, first of all, here we see the grace of God at work. Obviously, he had judged the people of Israel and they'd faced their punishment. They'd, they'd had to be taken into exile. But that was not forever. And God calls them back to him. God was always calling them back to him. It's just that they ignored it. And that's why they were judged in the end. But here he is coming back to his people. His people who are ready to ask for forgiveness, who are willing to change their ways and to live as God intended. And so he comes back. And I love that picture right at the beginning where he still calls them my people. And this is all pre-Jesus. We see here the grace of God. For us as Christians, we clearly are in a different kind of time because Jesus took our punishment, all that we deserved, all that we, the judgment that we deserved because of our sin, Jesus took upon himself and we just live with the benefits of that. We live with forgiveness. And yet I, I see time and time again, Christians who are struggling with forgiveness. If God can forgive the people of Israel, and want to speak tenderly to them and hold them next to the, his heart. If God can do that for the people of Israel who would turn their back on him as a nation. What can he do for you with your sin? Won't he readily forgive you? Won't he readily want to hold you back to his heart again? Do not be tricked by the lie that you have to do certain things to earn God's forgiveness. Don't be tricked by the absolute lie that God can never forgive you. Because we see here just in this passage that he does forgive his people. And whatever it is that you have in your life that you still struggle with in terms of sin, it does not have to be an uh, a ongoing battle because you can receive the forgiveness of God. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is for you to reflect on the different images of God just that we see in this passage. We see different contrasts, don't we? We see the God who is judged and the God who forgives. We see the God of power and the God of care and love. We see that here in this passage. Uh, and it is so easy for us, isn't it, to, to read this book and to just pick out the bits that we like about God and ignore the bits that we don't like. And... For most people, that's a lot of the Old Testament, isn't it? And yet, if we have to, if we're to have a complete picture of who God is, if we're to worship Him properly, we need to have a full understanding of the complete character of God, at least as full as we're able to this side of death. And that means we look at the Scriptures and we accept the images that we see there of what He is like. 
and some of it we may struggle with. And yet that is who he is. And we cannot simply ignore that. We all have people in our lives, don't we, who uh, we like parts of what they're like and struggle with other parts of what they're like. But we have to accept them as they are completely. We can't simply try to block off and hide away from the parts of their life that we struggle with. We accept them all or nothing. And it's exactly, exactly the same with God. We have to understand who he is completely. Look at all the images that refer to what God is like. Look at all the stories of his actions in this world. And work out how do I relate to this God completely. Not just to the bits that I like. But to him as a totality. To the whole of his character. The third thing is this, to uh, constantly, let's, let's remember our fragility. I said this on Sunday, didn't I? I would encourage you to watch that talk if you have the opportunity. This year, above every year, any year, is uh, reminds us of how vulnerable, vulnerable we are, how fragile we are as a people. Even if we've not really directly been affected by COVID-19, our whole life has effectively been shut down in different ways, hasn't it? We're not able to, to see the people we want to see or go and shop when we want to shop. We can't do certain things because of a tiny microscopic organism. This one tiny, tiny little thing has shut down our lives in all sorts of different ways. Our life is far more fragile than perhaps we ever imagined. And this this pandemic has reminded us of that. And that's a good thing, because the more we understand how fragile we are, the more we realise just how much we need God. And I would encourage you to reflect on, on that at this moment. And maybe you have been directly affected by COVID-19. Maybe you've been ill, and that brought up all sorts of fear and anxiety for you. Or maybe you've lost a loved one. We've all become aware of our own mortality during this time. And we need to come back to God, who is the source of our life, who is the one who provides an abundant life here and now, a life everlasting beyond death. He is the one who brings life. The fourth thing is this. Let's make sure that we prepare the highway for our God. For me, that has two connotations. The first of all, let's make sure there's nothing in our life that would be an obstacle to the presence of God. Deal with sin. Don't get to that point where it is too late to deal with sin. On that great and last day when Jesus comes back. Deal with sin in your life now. Allow God to have free reign in your life and allow his presence to dwell within you. Don't allow anything to be an obstacle to that. But we are also to make a path, a highway for our God for, into our communities so that others can experience the presence of God too. And that always has to be part of our conversation. As, we, as Christians, as we think about what it means to be church, as we think about how we live our lives, it's not simply about my relationship to Jesus. It is also and always about how do I encourage others into that same relationship because I cannot keep it to myself. I shared on on, um, uh, on Sunday uh, a verse from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says this, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's both and, isn't it? We receive the comfort of God and then take that comfort to others. That is always how it should be. I just want us to uh, spend a few moments thinking about uh, some questions. So let's take this a little bit further. So I've got a few questions for you to consider either as uh, just as on your own and to reflect on, uh, but also if you are in a group in one of our mission communities to discuss together. Uh, first one is this, uh, what image do you have of God? Is it a complete representation of who he is in scripture? If not, what are you going to do about it? Do you find yourself just focusing in on some aspects of God's character and ignoring the others? Do you skip through passages that you struggle with in terms of what God is like in them? Uh, we need to deal with that, don't we? We need to, to come back to who God is completely and not try and duck out of the difficult things. So what are you going to do about it? Second question is this. How has the pandemic, sorry, pandemic, the pandemic affected you in these last nine, ten months? And what does this passage say to you? How does it help you? Third question, uh, what are the obstacles to God's presence in your life right now? And how are you going to remove them? We all have them. We all struggle with stuff that needs to be deal, dealt with. So what are you going to do? Uh, and fourth question. Uh, where do you need God's comfort right now? Where do you need him to speak tenderly to you? To pick up on the, the words that last verse. Where in your life do you just need him to hold you tenderly close to his heart? It's good to share that with others. So do please talk about it. So there's a number of verses there to, and, and questions to think about. Uh, it's a strong passage filled with all sorts of good things and difficult things. Uh, but we need to wrestle with these passages, don't we? And this passage speaks to us of our need for God, our need to constantly be in a good relationship with him and to see him as he is. So let me encourage you to spend time reflecting on that. That's all for this week. Uh, I do hope you'll join us on Sunday, either in church or online, and then uh, come back next Tuesday for our next edition of Deeper.